Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We're back with new episodes in 2017, telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics across the world. I'm your host, Rob Howe, and if you'd like to get involved with Diabetics Doing Things, all you have to do is shoot me an email or reach out via Instagram. What's up, everybody? Rob Howe here. Uh, Just wanted to throw some gratitude your way this afternoon because we just crossed over 25,000 downloads all time for Diabetics Doing Things, and I owe that all to you. So thank you guys so much for listening. It totally makes my day whenever you tell me that the podcast has affected you positively in some way. So keep listening. I appreciate you to the max. All right, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. Uh, We're back with new guests, and uh, today I'm very, very excited to introduce you guys to Jamie Lowe, calling from Bristol, uh, over in the UK. Jamie, how are you? I'm great, thanks Rob, how are you? Oh, I'm doing just fantastic. Um, You know, you're, I think, probably our fifth fifth or sixth guest from the UK. Um, Oh, great. (laughs) And, you know, I'm just always, uh, first of all, just like fascinated by... Uh, you know how similar a life of a diabetic in the UK is to the US, mm. and uh, and then also how easy it is for us to just like hop on the internet and, and chat. Uh, and I just I love that uh, you know through Instagram or you know any other web platform that we're just able to connect. It's uh, it's just really cool and gets to broaden our horizons a bit. Yeah, the diabetic online community is pretty strong. Um, there's around four hundred thousand type one diabetics in the UK, so uh, there's a few more to get through. Uh, I'm sure in your your upcoming programs. Hey, if I make it to even like five percent of that, I think I'm uh, that, I, that would be a huge success for me. So um, yeah, but we're we're very uh, uh, you know very aware and very grateful and uh, of the UK members in our community, and uh, you know super glad that we're able to highlight some of the the great stories from over there. Yeah, yeah. So Jamie, uh, just just to introduce you to our guests, um, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you specifically have a. I'm really excited for this interview because uh, of your professional background. I feel very. Uh, I feel like we're going to have a really nice kind of official news style uh, rapport. Yeah, so I'm uh, 24 currently. Uh, I live in Bristol in the UK, and I work as a TV presenter on um, Made in Bristol, which is Bristol's local TV channel. I present a program called The The Crunch, along with my co-host Chelsea. Uh, We're live for two hours, Monday to Friday, with uh, all sorts of news, weather, entertainment, sport, pretty much everything about Bristol we put in The Crunch. Fantastic. So really, uh, this is a local Bristol celebrity that I got on here, right? That's, uh, what's... uh... Uh, I I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) Well, you're just being. I think I feel like you're being modest. Come on, now it's great. Um, so, let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, you, you mentioned you're 24, um, and uh, when were you diagnosed? Let's, uh, let's let's talk about your journey with type one for a bit. So, I started my job uh, officially as staff. So, I was working freelance before, but I started as staff in September, and it was it was a big job to take on, really, creating and presenting a program um, with with sort of limited resources, but I, I was putting out half an hour of TV. Uh, this is before the crunch. It was called The Source um, every every night. And and then all of a sudden, I just started to feel strange. In the mornings, I would be really woozy, and uh, I would drink lots of water and be really thirsty all the time. Um, and I thought I was just, you know, tired, stressed because of the job. And then it was just, it was really my colleagues who sort of, 
forced one in particular sort of said you need to go and check this out you need to go and get um this scene to and then i found out that i was diabetic but the interesting thing is is that i was i'm just out of uni fresh out of uni that year and one of my good friends at uni had actually been diagnosed as type 1 diabetic um a few months before on we were traveling back from a holiday in Salou on a coach and he was uh, very very thirsty and I was getting really annoyed with all the bottles that were collecting by our feet and the constant sort of needing to go to the toilet and I, although you know I, I knew the symptoms because I'd sat next to them for um, a 24-hour coach ride I still didn't spot them in myself so it was a shock um, but it, it wasn't the end of the world. Well, and that's that's what's interesting, right? Is that the symptoms are they are what they are. They're very clear, and I think whenever when everyone's story is you know some iteration of of the other, right? Not the, the mm. small variance, right? With going to the restroom frequently, drinking a lot of water, feeling very tired or a little bit disoriented. Um, mm. But funny how like you had just experienced that, but uh, you know when it happened to you, you sort of didn't, didn't really notice anything out of the ordinary. Well, yeah, I, I think there was a touch of denial there because I remember standing in the shower one morning, sort of like grasping onto consciousness, trying not to fall over um, and thinking in, in like the back of my mind, could I be diabetic? Is this what this is? This, you know, it was it was there in the back of my mind, but I didn't I, I didn't act on it. And then I almost like when I was sat in the, the doctor's room and they tested my blood sugar and ketones, I, I knew before they told me um, what was coming. And it was sort of like like my my mind didn't want to sort of address what was going on it was it was really strange well it is and i think that's like part of any sort of chronic illness diagnosis right is the first reaction is to say well this couldn't happen to me i'm you know i'm healthy or i'm young or or i'm too old to get type 1 diabetes or whatever the case may be um, well yeah that was the case i did, i didn't really understand or know a lot about the condition uh, beforehand apart from obviously um my friend danny uh but it, it was yeah so i in the doctor's office when i was sat there i i sort of like could, i knew what was coming but in in a way that it wasn't like bad it wasn't um of course i knew that my life would change dramatically but i didn't feel like i now have this huge weight on my shoulders I, st I still felt quite positive about it well and i think that's uh, you know obviously that speaks a lot to your character and i think the way that uh, you handle adversity right but um i think that at different stages of a diabetic's life whether right away or years down the road or as they get a little bit older if they were diagnosed young very young that acceptance and sort of, oh, like, I'm going to be fine. I just need to do a couple extra steps, and this isn't going to dramatically change who I am as a person. Um, yeah. So um, when uh, – so I, I just moved to Bristol from um, Bradford up in Yorkshire, which is the north of the country. And, you know, it's my first time, like, living away at home, living away from home, not being in university, I, I just got my first like full time job. It was it's a really like dramatic change in my whole life. And then this on top of it was just sort of an, another thing to boot. It, it wasn't um, I, I was ha having to sort of change my life in a lot of ways and adapt. And it, this was just seemed to be part of it. It was um, not like a shock, more like, OK, let's get on with this as well because my life did change overnight dramatically like and but i think for the better 
Well, let's talk about that a little bit because I, um, in many ways, and I was working with um, Beyond Type One, uh, uh, the organization here in the U.S. that does uh, a, a, so much great work for Type Ones around the world. Yeah, I follow them on Instagram actually. They're, they're fantastic, right? And uh, and mm. the Live Beyond campaign, I think, just spreading awareness about the different types of people is just great. But I'm, I'm working with them on a on a piece, and I was and I and I wrote a piece of content for them, and I talked about that like. I, I am who I am because of type one, right? Uh, not exactly. Because, not because I am different because of it, but it's just it opened me up to this world where this is my true self. I can be on and I can be honest and accepting about it. So what you know, as you as you sort of come to that realization, what was your thought process as you know, uh, besides the sort of acceptance and validation of like, oh, there really was something wrong with me. Now I can get better. Um, mm-hmm. what was that kind of transition like for you? So um, immediately sat in the hospital, I was in hospital for about three days. I, I went in on a Friday and, um, hospitals in the UK sort of, the doctors aren't there over the weekend, like, um, to see regular patients that aren't sort of in immediate need. So, um, I was there for qu- quite a while. It felt like a long time. Um, and I, I was sort of just like looking forward to what my life would be now. So it was a kick up the backside um, up the, the bum or I don't know how we, I would phrase that in the US, but um, to, you know, be, be healthy. And I mean, when I was ill with DKA, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I think you call it DKA in the US. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, when I was ill with that, I, I dropped like, a stone and a half and I, I thought I looked great like my cheekbones were chiseled and I was in really skinny jeans and on the, on the TV I thought I looked great and I didn't know where this had come from I just thought it was natural um but in reality I did look very unwell I mean on my YouTube channel there there is a um a, a feature an item about uh the the week leading up to my diagnosis and just looking at the that footage it's it's a dramatic difference um but sat in that hospital i I was sort of looking ahead to a healthier lifestyle so i began sort of trying to eat as little carbs as possible and you know working with my blood sugar and managing it and it took me a while to get the insulin dosage right um i was I'm, i'm a panicker so when my I get a spike, I would give extra insulin and um, in, in effect overdose and then have to correct later with uh, glucose tablets. And it, it was it was a minefield. It was a real that was the hardest part for me. Um, not because I, I, I worried about what the high blood sugar would do to my body. So the loss in eyesight, the the. All, all the things that can happen to your body when your blood sugar is too high. I was worrying about that. So I would prefer to be lower than higher. And I think that's also something that m- my dad said to me when, because obviously uh, I, I went home quite soon after and um, they were getting to know this disease too for the first time in their lives. So uh, they they sort of thought that high blood sugar is not a, a natural it's not a natural up and down it's it's high blood sugar is bad you need to get it low and correct it as soon as possible so that that was the difficult part for me um but i i mean i tried to be so healthy like so so healthy but i mean i'm like any other person i splurge i you know binge when i when i've had a hard day or it's the weekend or i feel like i need a treat um but i get this like massive guilt after doing stuff like that and um it that, that's like the 
the most difficult part for me but it, it sort of inspired me to you know live healthier so I took up running um, I'm now doing hot yoga which is a bit like Bikram yoga but um, it's, it's yoga in 44 degrees Celsius I'm not sure what that is in Fahrenheit uh, right I think it's like over 100 degrees I imagine like right at around 100 yeah so it's it's really hot it's really tough but it makes me feel great so I, I sort of think if, if I can put the effort into sort of keeping my body healthy and, and my mind too um, exercise is great for sort of relieving stress and worries um, I, I can like allow myself to live a little bit normally without feeling so bad about it well and I think uh, I really want to touch on I mean you brought up so many great points just in that one like short anecdote there um and, and obviously, like, we'll, we'll get to the exercise piece and kind of how that helps you balance everything out. But, okay, so you're, um, you were diagnosed uh, after university, so you're in your 20s. You've got, you've got your mm-hmm. life that you've sort of already figured out how to live. You're working. You've got your career. Um, as, you, as you're trying to worry about balance, um, I, I often think, like, as you were describing it, I was thinking of it as when you learn to drive and you're learning to turn – uh, like overcorrection and like, you know, if you're holding on too tight, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you always end up having to swerve back after you've turned. Um, and it's very similar with a high blood sugar and a low blood sugar. Like you can, um, uh, and I know for, for many years I would overcorrect a low. I would, I would worry that I would not be getting back up fast enough. And then I would cause myself mm-hmm. to have a high immediately after. So, um, I think finding those, like those swings is always so difficult. So, um, you know, how did you how did you wrestle with like the uh, the realization that yeah there is no such thing as a perfect diabetes life like there's going to be those days where it sort of throws you a curveball i i mean it, it sort of happened that it clicked for me when i was sat across um m- from my diabetes specialist nurse uh, in the uk we see see them regularly every every 3 months or so and we just talk about how how it's going they give a bit of education and um it was when i was sort of getting signed up for a carb counting course um she said to me like don't worry like it this happens your blood sugar will rise naturally and and fall naturally it's it's just how it works um you you're more at risk from you know really damaging yourself by being low than by being high and it dropping down naturally i mean i'm still probably in my honeymoon phase so I'm still producing some insulin myself. I can eat a little bit of carbs, eat a little bit of sugar without having to um, take insulin to uh, correct. Um, so there's there's all that going on, and th- I just didn't understand it. I just I was I'm a very much like if I'm gonna so if I complete a computer game, I want to complete it 100%. I have to sort of strive for my best every at every opportunity. Um, but I mean, just just going back to when the week before I found out, I it was my first um, go at live TV, um, my first little segment on the celebration of the channel being on air for a year, and um, my my mouth was so dry that I almost couldn't get through the link to the the item that I was throwing to, and it just thinking about how it was then, and how I'm managing now, which is a lot better. It's um, it sort of gives me a little bit of you know hope faith or a sense of achievement because i'm sure every, everyone with type type 1 diabetes feels that guilt or the the stress or you know the bad feeling when you have got a high you feel like you failed um but i just sort of think okay well I, at least i'm doing something now that that was then and and this is now 
Well, and it's it's just rewarding yourself, right? And I think taking that pressure off. It's interesting to me, like uh, people become type one at some point, but sometimes type one forces you to be a type A personality uh, or to Mm -hmm. sort of like um, heighten that sense of type A. I've met so many type ones that are just like very active, like they get in and they want to solve a problem and they want to fix it and they're very enthusiastic about it and they go gung ho all the way into it. And then realizing that sort of diabetes is not something that works like that. Uh, and there's going to be curveballs and there's going to be, you know, days where you just uh, are tired or, or you, you know, don't know how to explain it. And I think yeah. um, kind of rewarding that incremental progress, like, wow, you know, sometimes you don't you don't see those baby steps as you're going through. But then, like you said, you can look back to a year ago and you say, wow, like I felt so different before. And now look what I can do. What, what used to be very difficult for me or I used to worry about a lot I can now handle and take in stride. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's, I sort of describe myself as a part-time type A. So I'll be super, super good for 50% of the time. And then the other part of the time, I'm super, super bad. And, I, and I'm not thinking about uh, my health, but I'm trying, I'm really trying to sort of stay focused. And I'm, I'm, my next sort of mini series, like documentary series is, is an exploration into the vegan lifestyle. So, um, I recently found a lot of research that says that meat farming is really impacting, um, you know, the, the climate and the environment. And I, I lived before as almost paleo. So a lot of protein, meat, you know, uh, animal fat, um, that, that, because that was the easiest way to manage. I didn't need to take insulin. Um, but now I'm having to change again and, you know, experiment with a little bit more carbs and see where that takes me. And, um, plant-based proteins which is um, like it's new science that i'm just stepping into um but you know so so that's the the next step for me is is to really keep focused and keep exercising because there'll be i guess two two weeks when i i won't put my running shoes on and, and go for a run and um because like i'm too busy or i'm never never too busy there's always time to do it but it's the want to do it that is maybe not there but then I sort of get into a low where I just think oh god I've got to clear my head I've got to get out for a run and it's it's going to make me feel great and then after that happens I'm sort of back on track well and I think for me uh with my background background as an athlete and you know really for all my life identifying as an athlete I'm I'm a huge guy I'm big I'm like six foot six so I guess like 200 centimeters and uh and so I, I physically imposing and that's who I've been my whole life. So I, I totally identify with like listening to your body and like the need to mm. go move or the need to go throw some weight around. Um, and I think like f- for diabetics, especially who have this extra insight that normal people don't have into their body, whether it's how they feel when their blood sugar is normal versus when it's high or when it's low or having data points throughout the day and, and just having that extra communication with your body. Um, mm. it, it sort of manifests itself very interesting. When, uh, when, don't you think like whether it's a run or yoga or some other type of exercise, like that extra conversation that you have with yourself? Yeah. And the sort of learning, you know, how much, 
and uh, like a low mid exercise so having to take dex dextrose tablets in the middle of a hot yoga session is not um great it's you know everyone's very focused very like zen and meditative and there i am crunching away on some tablets because <laughs> I, I can feel it i can feel it coming on and i i know the the warning signs um but so one of the things that's recently happened is i'm starting to worry about nighttime lows so after a day of exercise um I, I will sometimes get a night a nighttime low, and it was after reading something on on the internet. I think Instagram. It was a meme or you know, something like that, and and it, and it sort of said that it was it spoke about um, you know going low in the in the night and um, trying to stay high because if you go low, you, you you could die you could die in your sleep, and that really sort of hit home to me. Um, and then I became worried about that, so that it was another piece of anxiety, which uh, you know it. it it's manageable, but it, it, that's there now. That's and I never worried about that before because um, I would usually wake up during a nighttime hypo. But once I read that, once I read someone else's opinion and thoughts and feelings on that, I sort of like, you know, digested. You know, that that sort of emotion came into me, and and now I sort of took took on their anxiety. And that's a, that's a trap, right? You know, there's so much information out there, uh, and you know, as we, especially people our age, uh, we're very prone to just googling what whatever we have, and and then mm -hmm. seeing let the worst worst possible outcome is out there. It's like, oh no, I could die in my sleep from a hypo. And I actually had a friend's mother when I was in uh, when I was at college and at university, as you guys would say. Um, mm -hmm. I had a conversation with, uh, one of my friend's parents and she said that, um, because her daughter was type one, her youngest daughter was type one. And she said that, uh, when I switched to the pump, uh, which I did during my like junior year of college, uh, she said, well, uh, I'm not going to switch my daughter to the pump because I heard about someone who died in their sleep and they were on a pump and it was because of the pump. And I was like, well, you know, there's plenty, uh, <laughs> there's, there's there's plenty of other people out there that didn't have that experience right i think mm. there's so many other factors that go into it uh, but yeah you can cause yourself a lot of anxiety or depression if you are constantly thinking about those things that really you have no control over so you know I'm, i always try to stay very present with my journey in that to avoid any sort of unwanted anxiety or uh, or worry or stress but it's it's hard to avoid that because I'm sure, as as you know, working in the media, creating content, um, there's a lot of things going on in your mind. You're always coming up with ideas, and you're always sort of forward planning, thinking ahead. How how's this piece going to work? How am I going to film this? How am I going to write this? And then this is then the whole diabetes thing is rolling around in your head too. There's there's a lot going on up there. So um, finding something where you can safely sort of step away, or you know really ignore it for a bit i think is important because um not not ignoring the sense that okay i'm not diabetic for a bit although some days i do wake up on a friday afternoon or friday morning sorry and um, i think oh well i'm not going to be diabetic today i'm going to take lots of insulin uh, eat loads of cars maybe have a pizza later on and drink some beer um but i, th I think it's important to like you said you're, you're a big guy i'm not a big guy <laughs> i'm quite a small guy um but i i still need you know something to give me a break something to sort of take my mind off the ball a little bit so i can you know be 100 percent the next time when i need to so is that uh is the way is your outlet for giving yourself that break and cutting yourself that slack is that saying just that self-talk that conversation with yourself saying hey 
I'm not going to be a diabetic today. I'm going to live, um, and you know, still going to treat myself with insulin, still going to do that, but I'm going to live as if I didn't have uh, diabetes. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't do it regularly, sure. maybe Christmas days and um, birthdays and special occasions and stuff like that, but um, just just to not worry. I mean, of course, there's, oh, I've got to take the insulin, I've got to count the carbs, I've got to um, make sure I test in a couple of hours to make sure I'm not taking too much. But just that little bit of a break is really important to um, sort of, you know, it's a, it's a bit of like respite. It's almost like I've taken a break from my, my body, in effect, my, my dodgy pancreas. It's almost like I've left it behind um, and I can come back to it feeling refreshed and ready to uh, fix it. I, I want to focus on that for a minute because I think you really hit it right on the head how important it is. That in that it's a relationship with yourself, right? I mean, and that's the mm. that's the thing is your a type one's lifelong relationship with the disease is hey, it's me, and then here's my diabetes alongside, and we have this relationship, and it's always measured by numbers, but mm. you know, really, it's it's a partnership, right? So if you can give yourself a break mentally, I think that's so important from a you know confidence and a self acceptance uh, standpoint, and I think. Uh, I had this conversation. I was very fortunate. Uh, I got to shudder around uh, heavyweight champion Evander Holyfield for the weekend um, a few years ago. Uh, and if you're not familiar, he's uh, the most famously Mike Tyson bit his ear. Uh, bit his oh, ear. right. Okay. Um, so he and I, uh, I, we were driving back from the airport, and we were just having like a casual conversation. And I, I finally, it took me about 10 minutes to get like kind of the conversation going because he's like a very you know famous, very intimidating guy. Um, and... He was saying, uh, I remember vividly, like, too much of anything is a bad thing. He's like, you know, if you drink too much water, you could drown. You know, so mm. it's like, you know, if something, even if it's good. So I think, like, hyper control, like, even too much of, like, you know, very regimented, rigid uh, control can be detrimental, like, to your anxiety, to your mental health, um, and just, you know, make you exhausted and kind of no fun, right? So I think you have, Absolutely. To, gotta, yeah. you have to remember to live. Yeah, yeah, and... As, as well, I think you sort of have to be sort of unashamedly type one, like you're, you're a confident type one. You can talk about it. You'll, you can whack your insulin pen. I'm not on a pump yet. Um, I'm still deciding whether that's right for me, but um, you can whack out your insulin pen and give yourself an injection regardless of what people think around you or people might think you're shooting up uh, or, you know, these <laughs> sorts of things uh, and people make jokes. But it's 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 important to open that discussion to because I didn't know my symptoms were there. Um, I was obviously very ill, but they were so strange and so sort of like unconnected that I I put myself in a very dangerous position, not reacting to my body. Um, but if I can sort of open a discussion and answer questions and talk about it, then you know someone might spot the symptoms, the signs a bit earlier next time, and and not be so you know not get so ill because. Um, I hear stories and it's been reported in the press here in the UK of people that just didn't know that they were type one and then the ambulance comes, but it's too late and hmm. they, they, they've suffered organ failure um, because of in high DKA, like really bad DKA. Um, so if I can, you know, I don't care if someone's like has a phobia of needles, like I need to do this or else I'll die. So, but doing that, sort of being unashamedly type one and talking about it and, you know, sort of waving the flag, um, I think 
it's it's a really positive thing because, like I say, there's 400,000 of us in the UK. Um, that's a very small percentage of the entire population, which I, th- I think, just picking a number out of my head, is around 6 million, 60 million, I don't know. Uh, it's got a six in it either way. Um, th- there's there's not a great proportion of us that are, I think it's like 10% of all diabetic people have type one diabetes, have type one diabetes. Right. So if, if we can talk about it, if we can speak about it and, and feel confident when we're speaking about it and not be ashamed of it or, or, you know, hide it away, then we, we, we can sort of say we're here and it's not wrong. It's not bad yet. Yes. I might have a faulty pancreas and I'll die if I don't correct it, but you know, I'm still I'm still a normal person. You don't need to be scared of me. You don't need to um, worry about me. You don't need to give me insulin when I'm having a, a low, as is often something that I, I'm correcting people on. Um, yeah, please you know, don't. Please don't do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's just misconceptions and just an uneducated uh, public that, that don't know a lot about this condition and and. I think me, you know, reaching out to you to to come on the show and um, talking about it and on the television and on YouTube and wherever I can, wherever I get the opportunity to, is um, just a way that I can continue that conversation and you know inspire more conversations from that. I mean, like today we we've sort of left uh, the sort of outline of the interview behind and we we've gone on our own sort of um, journey and and discussion and we've learned a lot about each other um, and by doing that we're also in giving a lot of information that people can take away and learn from. Yeah, and I mean, I I prefer that, you know. And I think I mentioned that before we got on the uh, on the recording. Is my favorite, my the best interviews here start with uh, a little bit of the rough outline, and then they diverge completely off into personal stories. That and that's where the real you know gold is, you know, like uh, mm. because someone out there has had a similar experience to you uh, or identifies with that, and I think. What, like you said about spreading awareness, it's important to know that people struggle. That there, you know, that there are uh, that we're all in this together, um, and it's good to know that you know not everybody's perfect, and that um, even people, especially with social media, it seems so perfect all the time. And yeah. what I think is so great about the Type One community is the willingness to share when it's not perfect um, and when it is yeah. a struggle. Um, I mean, I, I see, uh, I search for the hashtag, t, t, hashtag T1D sometimes and like some pictures and I'm sort of, it's, it's a nice feeling when people post their highs and they're like, oops, you know, didn't spot that sugar in that pasta sauce or, um, you know, uh, indulged a bit too much over lunch and they post a picture of their highs because um, it's, it sort of, you know, levels the playing field. You, you can talk about your highs, which are which you're trying to avoid you you've yet yeah, you've, you've made a mistake in your insulin dosage or you know something's happened like it's too hot today or it's too cold and your body's reacted badly um doing that will not only sort of educate other other people without type 1 diabetes that might know or, or love someone with type 1 diabetes but it'll also you know ease the anxiety that we've, we've spoken about a lot today well and i think too um it's just important for, I think it's a two-way conversation. You know, you feel good about it as you read it. I think they feel better about it as they see people come in. Um, and mm. that, like you said, the community is so strong uh, on social media. And um, I think that's the, that's the reason, the willingness and openness to share. Um, I want to focus on a couple more things. Um, I'm, I'm kind of going uh, at, off uh, off topic here, or I guess going back a little bit. I've had a lot of caffeine yeah, today, sure. so, I'm, uh, so I'm really into this. Um, 
You were diagnosed uh, after university, so I imagine age mm-hmm. 22, I think you said, uh, you know, you're 24 now. Am I, am I kind of right on? Uh, yeah, I think 23. Okay, great. So even even yeah. more recent, like an even older age. Um, and mm. you mentioned your parents. Um, what was that relationship like with, with between your you and your parents and your diabetes? What uh, What were those conversations like? How did they sort of respond? I mean, I couldn't actually contact them whilst I was in hospital because they were away in visiting New York at the time um, and trying to get a message to them somehow with no phone signal in in the hospital or internet was just impossible oh, no. um, so i mean i i went into hospital once when i was in university for um an infected th- finger um and i ended up having blood poisoning and it was all very dramatic but oh, sorted no. out quite quickly um and it was the same sort of thing that it was it was you know this this is my my thing and you don't need to worry like i'm an adult now and um i'm gonna teach you about this condition and here's what you need to know um uh, they're sort of like once removed from it because you know i don't live with them anymore i'm um sort of very independent and i go to the hospital on my own and i i'm sort of a bit jealous sometimes of um people that di- get diagnosed quite young um you know talking childhood age um because their parents have sort of held their hand all the way through and you know they they learn first and then teach the child with type 1 diabetes but i i haven't had that i had, sort of had to um learn on my own which you know there's there's good parts and bad parts that it's positive and negative in the same time um but you know they they i just have to make sure that they're not worried about me that um they uh, know that i'm healthy and know that i'm you know happy and you know keep i keep going on and doing what i want to do um that's important for them i think it's more um they obviously worry they must do um but i obviously try and stop them from worrying because you know i'm an adult now i can look after myself well you bring up a good point because i think um conversations i've had with people who are being diagnosed later um i think you articulated it fantastic like um and looking at it from your perspective of course you know it's harder to do on your own um, because you're already on you're already you know living on your own you have your own career um and I think as well for in the U.S. especially, type ones uh, who get diagnosed, you know, past the age of 20, 21, when they're already like kind of on their own, they they get less help at the beginning. Um, like doctors are just like, well, here's a pamphlet and uh, mm. here's all your prescriptions and good luck. And, and sometimes yeah. sometimes they get put in touch with an endocrinologist or uh, with an organization like JDRF, which is a ton of great work here as well with diabetes education. Um, but I think really there's, there's more focus, um, on children because, uh, they need more help, I think. Uh, and I think that's right. I think that's right. But I also, uh, I definitely have a, a passion for the type ones who get diagnosed later in life when people think that they are, you know, think that it's not type one and there's a lot of misdiagnoses and, um, and there's just not as much literature. There's not as much community aspect. There's not a, there's not mm. a diabetes camp that you can go to as an adult uh, that's always immediately presented. And I think it's important that you know you guys are a part of that community as well. And I just want to open up that dialogue for people who have been diagnosed later in life and need someone to talk to. Um, you know, I think that spreading that awareness that it's out there that we're here and, and you know we want to share that I think mm. is really important. Um, so I, I uh, what I wanted to do was meet people with type one diabetes. I apart from Danny, who 
my friend at university who now lives 200 plus miles away um there wasn't that many people who were around me that knew what uh, what i was going through so i did reach out to the jdrf in the uk and diabetes uk um uh, the charities and through them like hosted a few events and um ended up meeting people along the way families um people my age people that have got diagnosed even later in life um and that was really helpful just just getting involved in whichever way i can now obviously i bring a certain skill set within like sort of media training and um producing content um so you know they benefit from it and I, I also benefit greatly by you know just being around people who i can talk to quite frankly and openly about what the issues are and and what i'm going through and how they sorted this out and um how they deal with this or, or you know what pump do you use what blood tester do you use my gp won't my gen, that's our doctor um won't prescribe me the new fancy blood glucose meter how how do i make sure that they uh give give me that one so uh, it can you know talk to my phone and um track my my data quite easily but um so i i, I get a lot from sort of investing in the, the community and doing whatever I can. of course i can't do everything that I'd, I'd like to do there's not enough time in the day but um just being where I can and, and doing what I can really sort of helps both them and, and me a lot. Well, and I think that's something important for us to focus on as well. Where, uh, you know, where can our listeners be, can find you online, whether through your media platforms or through social media, um, if they want to connect with you or, you know, uh, you know, partner with you or, or, you know, create more awareness mm. with you, uh, what's a good place to reach out? So um, there's Twitter um, at Jamie Low TV. Instagram is the same at Jamie Low TV. Um, YouTube, I think you just Google my name, Jamie Low, and I, I'll pop up. I'm, I've got an orange in my mouth in the picture, so it's pretty distinctive. Um, and, and yeah, I'm just open to you know how we can work together on, on projects and and you know do do stuff, whatever it may be, to sort of spread the message, make something fun and shareable and watchable in the process and you know have a good time doing it as well right i mean that's so important with anything right if you don't enjoy it then uh you know you're not going to have that same sort of passion or fuel um absolutely i want to i want to focus in and i and i often ask my guests this question and i think i get very similar answers um so i'm gonna have to figure out a way to like rephrase it as i'm uh, doing more episodes but um for you uh, somebody who's in your position if you were if you were able to go back to uh, to someone who was just diagnosed, um, who was 23 to 25 years old, and they, you know, are about to embark on an entire new um, journey in their life with type one. What's the one thing you would tell that person? Don't worry about high blood sugar; it's going to come down. Uh, if, as long as you've taken insulin and don't take too much of it, it it's going to come down. Don't don't stress about it. Um, your body is probably going to react quite well to having a short period of high blood pressure uh, high blood sugar um yeah so you know don't stress don't worry don't don't have that anxiety even though it's going to be there probably there's no way to get around it but you know try and release yourself of it a little bit fantastic yeah i think you know holding on too tight is something that i think we're all guilty of at, at different points and uh you know, just part of that, uh, you know, six stages of, uh, of grief or whatever, right? Acceptance is like right, right mm. there at the end. And, um, you know, like you said, you go all the way from denial or anger or depression and then you get to acceptance. And like once you do, I think this that like really healthy balance 
um, of just sort of self-appreciation and self-talk that, um, you know, a lot of uh, people seem to have a lot on, on online and I think is, uh, you know, hashtag diabetes and hashtag T1D looks like me. Um, hashtag yeah. diabetics doing things for the shameless plug there, but it's a lot of like really good stories out there of people who are out there doing it and uh, and really spreading that positive message. Yeah, and it's 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 important to show the bad as well as the good, the ups and the downs, um, because like I mentioned before, it's it's a way of you know making people feel less bad about themselves and making it okay to make a mistake every now and again. It is okay. It is okay to have a high blood sugar. It is okay to make a mistake. Um, you know, mm. we're, we're none of us are perfect, and this is a long journey. Um, and you know, it doesn't. I know if there's amazing technology coming this year, um, and you know, we're all waiting for that cure. But um, yes. you know, until until it gets here, you know, we're just gonna have to take it one day at a time. Would Would you take a, if if there was a cure? Would you you know do, be, sign up straight away? Uh yeah, I think I would. I. Uh, it's weird because I'm not in a hurry to get rid of my diabetes. Like I have very good control. Mm. I'm very happy. It's like who I am, but nothing would make me happier to be a former diabetic. I think is how I look at it. See, I I sort of I sort of gain a lot from having diabetes. It's given me sort of you know an extra confidence, an extra thing to talk about, an extra um, way to you know make myself healthy and track my my physical health. So I, I'm not sure if I would actually take the new pancreas if it was offered to me well i think it's uh it's an interesting discussion right like look i mean me for example my entire platform is built on being a diabetic so um you know if that if that goes away I, but at the same time i think what i've learned is with this community i think i'll have something in common with everyone who's ever had or you know, continues to have or has been cured of type 1 diabetes and mm. i think um, you know, the people and those relationships that I've built, um, will continue. And that, and that makes me happy, I think. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, I've, I'm, I'm 12 years in, um, so I'm, I guess I'm maybe a little bit more tired of it than you, but actually at the same time, I love actually. the, I love that we're in a position where, you know, you're, you found this rhythm and you found this place that you are in your life where, you know, this is something that you welcome, the challenge that you welcome it every day. And I think it's such a healthy place to be, um, you know, as a from a type one perspective. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't, it's not me saying that I don't want a cure to be found. Absolutely. We we should, you know, keep plugging every bit of money that we can into research. But I just think that there's a lot of positives that I, I've gained from um, my diagnosis, as well as a lot of negatives. And I, I don't think I would have got those positives had, you know, the genetics been different, had I not been type 1. And what do you think specifically um, ha has type 1 given you that you wouldn't have had otherwise? A reason to be healthy. It's a reason to, um, it's a cause to fight for. It's a, it's a sense of purpose. It's I, I would go through life sort of being, um, ever, thinking, you know, I was sort of 100%, you know, I was... Um, um, apart from some, you know, s s small self-confidence issues, I was where I wanted to be and doing exactly what I wanted to be. But it's given me like a, f a floor to, you know, f to to work from, and and um, it's it's sort of like a wake-up call in that, um, you know, I I'm, I'm I have something that I need to um, 
work on and and fight for and um talk about and and you know raise awareness and all, all those sorts of things it's it's uh, it's hard to explain but um i just think that being type one is it's it's almost like a badge of honor it's like i i'm doing this as well as doing other stuff like i'm a diabetic that's doing things um <laughs> hashtag um you know and it, it makes you feel good it makes you feel sort of a bit proud that i can manage this condition as, as well as you know achieve my goals and follow my dreams that's so that's so powerful man i think i i you know wear it like a badge of honor i think uh you know some and like you said, I, I think giving yourself a purpose, having something to strive for is what most people are, you know, who really care are looking for anyway, diabetic or not. Um, mm. And when I was looking for, you know, I had a, a very deep soul searching moment in the summer of 2015 where I was uh, I was in Colombia, South America, and I was in my hotel room and um, it wasn't safe for me to go out at night. And one of the nights I didn't have my, uh, my interpreter with me. So, and I don't speak Spanish. So I just kind of was sitting there thinking about what I wanted to do with my life. And I thought for the first time, because I had never, I, I had always identified as a positive type one, but I never really encouraged that or like broadcast that. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what, I'm missing out on an opportunity to connect with my people. Um, yeah. and you know, that's, that's been the best part of all of this is that I get to meet people like you, um, you know, people all over the world, people all over the U S who, uh, are dealing with the same things I'm dealing with and doing and living their best life, um, uh, and accomplishing their goals and chasing their dreams. And, um, you know, I, I can't, I can't say like how much that gives me it really fills my cup up to hear people who want to help other people like them and want to, um, continue to build those relationships and continue to spread that positive message. Um, and I'm just grateful for it. It's a fantastic opportunity and, um, you know, meeting people like you, uh, and hearing that positive message, man, just like for the rest of my day, cause it's only 1045 <laughs> here where I am, I'm going to be gassed up for that. So, um, <laughs> great. it's important. I mean, um, the prime minister of the UK right now, Theresa May, um, her policies aside whatever is going on and trying to follow politics but it doesn't always make sense to me um believe me politics don't make sense to me either i don't know if you're uh (laughs) if you're uh, you know privy to everything here in the u.s but i understand well yeah yeah it's in a slightly worse situation than us but um she she's type 1 diabetic and she in in the house of uh commons or wherever the parliament meeting place is with the green chairs and the really old building um she said um that she she wants to prove that no matter the who you are or or where you are living with type one you can do whatever you want to do this is not a disease that can hold you back um it might you know be a little bit of an inconvenience but it shouldn't stop you from doing anything and i think um she her and us are proving that and it's important to spread that message i couldn't agree more and i mean i can't i you know i don't know as much about her politics but i can't agree more with that message that's so true um if you can and that was what was clear to me from diagnosis and my i credit my doctors and my diabetes educators with that that you know they said you know your dreams that you have type one or not are still valid are still within your reach if you just chase after them exactly yeah 
Well, Jamie, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is a fantastic interview. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it too. It was great to sort of, you know, chat to someone who, you know, is in a, a very similar position to me and has done it for a little bit longer. And um, you're still going at it. So, you know, it gives me a lot of confidence too. Still out here doing things, right? Uh, yeah, that's, that's it. And that's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. So, uh, you know, and I look forward to, you know, seeing more of, of the content that you're putting out. Um, and I'll include uh, all the links to your social profiles in the show notes so everybody can find you there. And, um, you know, I, uh, I wish you the best of luck. And I hope that we, uh, you know, our paths really cross uh, more often in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So a visit to the U.S. must be on the cards um, because there's a lot more diabetics out there that I need to meet. There's plenty. There's like 1.25 million of us or something. Oh, really? Wow. So we've, God. Got, we've got quite a few. Amazing. Well, I better I better start um, packing and, and heading over there. <laughs> yeah, it might be a long trip. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. Thank you for coming and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks again for listening to Diabetics Doing Things. I'm going to try a new thing. I'm going to start sending out a Friday newsletter with just my thoughts for the week and some questions that you guys have asked either on social media or that you emailed me. So if you want to do that, just subscribe on the website, diabeticsdoingthings.com. See you again next time.